you got your Bibles, go with me to Acts chapter 1. And then we're also going to read, most of it's going to be, we're going to read one verse in chapter 1, and then we're going to read most of chapter 2. So go to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and then we're going to go to Acts chapter 2. Okay, And uh, I'm reading from the New King James if you, if you wonder what translation it is, New King James Version. We're finishing up our series. I started a couple weeks ago a series called The Anatomy of CTC, talking about the structure of our church, what we believe, where, you know, what is our vision, what's our goal, what is the purpose of us existing. Uh, last week I covered two of those. I talked about seeking God, seek God. If you've ever seen the, the three words below our name out on, the, out on the glass out there, it says seek, connect, reach. So seek God, connect with people. We talked about those two last week. Um, today I want to talk about reach lives. Reach lives. And, and it's very important that we understand our purpose as a church. Amen? God has given every church in the city of Fort Smith in the state of Arkansas, in the country of the United States, and in the world. He has given every church a purpose, every church a vision. Regardless of how they were started, God has a plan. If He doesn't have a plan, they close their doors. Amen? And I know that God has a plan for this church. Now, I know a lot of you are, are new to this church. You've only been going here for maybe a few years. Some of you were here before I was here. You know some of what this church has gone through. But you know that, and I believe this with all my heart, if God was going to shut this place down, he'd have done it a long time ago. This church has been in existence. We are on our 40th year. Come May, we will celebrate 40 years. It's exciting. And uh, so God has done a lot of things here. A lot of neat stuff has happened. But I believe that the best is yet to come. Amen? The best is yet to come. We've not experienced everything that God wants us to do. That just get me chills all up and down when I thought of that. When I, was, God's got a lot going on. So I want to look at our third, which is reach live. So let's read Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I love this verse. Amen? This is what started the church right here. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and these are the words of Jesus. It says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And this is the part that I want you to get. I want you to burn it down in your spirit. I want you to understand this. I want you to to study this, I want you to fully equip what I'm about to tell you. And he says, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, which was their home, where they were from. He was speaking to them at that moment in Jerusalem. You'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, which was the surrounding areas. So it would be like saying, if Jesus was speaking to us, it'd be like him saying, you'll be my witnesses in Fort Smith and then Sebastian County and Crawford County. And then he goes on and he says, 
and to the end of the earth. In other words, everywhere else. This was long before Columbus ever discovered America. Why they didn't know America was over here and why they thought it just fell off the face of the earth, we'll never know. I think some of them were, they were drinking something that day or something, they decided that. I don't know. And then we read in Acts chapter 2. So understand this. Jesus says this, and then he ascends into heaven. He tells them, go and wait for me. It's going to come. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be powerful. Get ready for it. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now you've got to understand, as this is happening, there's a crowd that's gathering outside. They're thinking, what is going on? These people are nuts. They've never seen anything like this. This is the first time that we've seen the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And there's a crowd forming outside, and they're, thinking, they're scratching their head going, what? But Luke records their response. Look at verse 5. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, Whatever could this mean? Others mocking said, They're full of new wine. So they think, man, these people have done lost it. I don't know what they're babbling about. I'm understanding everything they say, and I don't speak their language. But I'm speaking whatever they're, I understand what they're saying right now. It would be like a group of Pentecostals having a hallelujah meeting at the United Nations. And all of them speaking in a heavenly language and everybody understanding what they're saying. Because that's what's happened. All these leaders have come to this area at this time and they're hearing this happening. So then Peter comes and he speaks his first sermon, okay? I want you to go down to uh, uh, verse 12. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking, okay, they are full of new wine. Go uh, 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says 
God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everybody say amen. But Peter doesn't stop there. You see, from verses 22 through uh, 35, he's continuing and he's just preaching. Man, he's, he's preaching machine here. And he's talking about Christ and he's talking about Christ and how he come from David and he talks about all these things and he's tying them all together. But then I want us to look at verse 36. And Peter says this, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. He's preaching the gospel He's letting them know, look, the man that y'all thought was a false prophet that you crucified, he is Lord and King. He is King of kings. He's Lord of lords. Jesus is who I'm talking about. And then Peter sums up his message. And look at this, verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles men and brethren what shall we do they've said this men and brethren what shall we do Peter got to them right man they were cut to the heart they like there is something different about the message that Peter is speaking and then Peter said to them he gives them an answer he don't wait for them to figure it out themselves he tells them Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off as many as the Lord our God will call. You know, Peter didn't have an altar call right then and beg them to come. You know, he didn't have everybody bow their heads, close their eyes, and if that's you, raise your hand. He didn't do that. They wanted to get saved. They wanted what Peter had, and they said, that's what we want. And if they did altar calls like we did, I don't believe that Peter got done talking. I believe they stood up from their seats and started running to the altars. And they came running because they wanted something different. They wanted that power that Peter was showing. They wanted what they were talking about. They said, we believe in Jesus Christ. We understand who he was. And they wanted it. And then look at what happens in, in verse 40. We see a new church began to grow. Look, and with many other words he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. 
Can you imagine? That's any preacher's dream. Preach the gospel and 3,000 people get saved. In verse 2, or verse 42, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. You see, the moment didn't stop when the 3,000 people got saved. Well, okay, well, we got people saved. Let's, we're done. Praise God. It says they continued meeting together daily. They didn't plan one day a week. They came together all the time. And it's, it's hard sometimes just to get people just to commit to one day a week. Now, I know I'm pe preaching to the crowd. You guys come and y'all's faithful. But understand what I'm, what I'm saying here. They wanted more of Jesus. And not only did they want more of Jesus, but they wanted other people to know about the same relationship that they had with Jesus. Do you understand where I'm going at? They wanted people to understand, let me tell you about somebody who's changed my life. Let me tell you about somebody who's made a difference in my life. I want you to know about a man that healed me. I want you to know about a man that saved me. I want you to know about a man who, who can free you from anything that you can think of. He can touch your life. He can minister to you. Now I believe, and I think all of you believe, that salvation is for everyone that asks. Amen? But how can they ask if they don't know? Right? How can they ask? How can they ask Jesus into their heart if they don't know? You say, but, but we live in America. Oh, really? Do you know that America is the second largest unreached nation in the world? The United States of America, where we are free to live and work and do everything that we want to do. We have freedom of religion. We can go to church if we want to or not. But yet we are the second most <clears throat> unsaved nation in the world. Who's failed here? Did Jesus fail? No, I think it's us. There's, you'd be amazed at people that I talk to that you ask them, have you ever been to church? No. Well, do you know anything about God? No. And I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. With all the Christian television that we have, with all the, the uh, Bibles, that you can get a Bible in every corner. I mean, the Gideons are doing a great job at handing out Bibles. 
They go, to, where do y'all go, Roy? Y'all go to the schools, you go to the parks sometimes, different events. They go to the fair all the time. They hand out Bibles all the time. It's not an issue of whether or not somebody can get a Bible or not. It may be an issue that somebody hasn't taken the opportunity or the chance to tell their neighbor, to tell the, the person down the street, to tell the person in the store about Jesus, about a relationship they can have with a man that can save their life from hell. Some people don't even know that hell exists. But yet here in America, we're comfortable. We come in, we sit in our nice little chairs, we sing a few songs, we hear what the preacher has to preach, and then we go back outside the walls, and we go back to living our own life, and we don't worry about anybody else. That is America that we live in. It's time that we take the steps and we receive a word from God here or in a connect group or Bible study or whatever we are at, a Wednesday night service, whatever we're doing, we take that word and we go back out and we share it with people outside of these four walls. Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 15. This is Paul. He says this, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He makes, that, he makes that declaration. He makes a point. It's a great point, right? We know this. We understand this. All of us believe this. You all amen me. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. The word preacher in verse 14 is caruso. It means, that's the, that's the Greek word, it's Caruso. You ever seen the Caruso wear? There's, there's shirts out there that's by a company called Caruso. They're Christian t-shirts. But that word right there, it means, if you look it up, what that Greek word means, it means to herald, herald as a public crier, especially the divine truth, the gospel, or preach, proclaim, publish. In the 18th and 19th centuries, they had someone for the town, he would be known as the town crier. And his job was to go out into the streets and to proclaim, he would ring a bell and he would proclaim uh, the news or he would proclaim the uh, new laws that were taking effect and he would say, hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. And so that meant for everybody in the town to listen. Stop what you're doing and come listen because he's going to say it and you got to listen to it. you got to know what's going on. And the people would stop what they're doing and they'd come and they would listen to the crier and they'd hear what he had to say. And that's what his job was. His job was to get the message out. His job was to make the announcements, make whatever the town needed to hear, whatever they needed to hear so that they, so it could make their town life better. That's what his job was. He was the town crier. You ever heard the phrase, don't shoot the messenger? Sometimes a town crier would come and he would give news, a new law or something that people didn't like, 
And so that phrase became known. Don't shoot the messenger. He's just the messenger. He has nothing to do with this. He's just letting you know what it is. So we all, I'm not telling you that in order for you to preach the gospel, you have to go find a, a um, milk crate somewhere, set it down in town square and stand up on it and just start preaching. I, I don't know that you're going to be that effective. Most people will probably just think that you're a loon, okay? You're crazy, you know? But what I do believe is that we are to announce to our friends, to our neighbors, to our loved ones, maybe even the people in the store. And you ain't got to do it in a public way. You can do it in a very private way. You ever gone to a restaurant? And, you know, it's a full restaurant, and maybe someone has come up and said, hey, do you care if I sit here? Sure, go right ahead. Do you ever think that maybe that's an opportunity for you to share the gospel with that person one-on-one? I know that God puts people in our place. God puts people in front of us that we come in contact with that we are the only chance that they're going to get to hear the gospel. Someone ever asked you, hey, uh, so what do you do? Huh? Anybody say, what do you do? And you, and you what? You tell them, well, I, I, I work at blah, 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 blah. That's not what you do. That's your place of employment. Tell them what you do. Man, I, you know, I, this is what I do. And give them the whole spiel. You know, well, I, you know, I do this. I also volunteer at my church. You know, and work it into a conversation about God. There's ways around it. Ask them questions. Get to know them. Find out about that person. Show kindness. As Christians, we are a town crier. It is our job to get the message of Christ out to the town. People need to hear the gospel. Amen? They will not be reached if we do not get the message to them. You know, one of the greatest ways to get the message out is to do something good in the name of Jesus. Do something good. You don't have to speak it. Have you ever heard the saying? Some, I, I know there was an old song that said, sometimes God's people should be seen and not heard. Sometimes we talk too much, right? And sometimes we just need to be seen by our actions. You know, I've heard people preach the gospel before, and they go out and live a totally different lifestyle from what they just preached. I've had ministers that I've sat under that would, that would preach on Sunday mornings. I mean, they, they'd preach, you know, you've got to be saved, you've got to tell me about Jesus, and then they go out during the week, and you're wondering, you're saved? But if you look at James chapter 1, verse 22, it says, 
But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. It's pretty good. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. God's word tells us that if we are doers of the word, of the, of the work, do, doers of what God wants, then we'll be blessed. I want the blessings of God. Amen? I want the blessings of God. I want to be blessed. And I know that in order to receive the blessings of God, I have to be a doer of his word. His word tells me to be a witness. And witnessing is not just telling someone the good news. It's also living the good news of Christ. Amen? Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10 says, For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 3, and this is the NLT translation. It says, Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2 in the New Living Translation says, Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Do you know why we get up on the third Saturday of each month at 9.30 to hand out groceries for two hours? That's for good people. It's, it's, it's not for the pay. Right? I hadn't seen a paycheck in the two years we've been doing it for that. Has any of the volunteers that help us seen a paycheck? No. We don't do it for the money. We don't... We do it because... It's not because we don't have anything else to do. <laughs> right? I mean, well, there could be other things that we could do. But it's because of what Matthew, I believe, is what Matthew 25, verse 40 says. And I love this. It says, And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, Inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Can I tell you, every time that you minister to somebody, that you do an act of love, you do an act of kindness and you've done it in Christ's name you're doing it unto our heavenly father you're doing it unto him we're God's people amen and God has called us to do special things sometimes sometimes each of us have different things that we're supposed to do we all have different abilities we all have uh uh, different attributes that we can give to either the church or give to the whole key, the whole purpose is that we do it for love. 
Love for God's people. You say, yeah, but that person is so mean and so nasty. And they just, man, they're just hateful. But we're not doing it unto them. We're doing it unto Him. We're doing it because of love that we have for Him. We don't go to prison on the third Sunday of every month. David doesn't go and their team doesn't go on the third Sunday of every month for their health. They don't drive three hours to Little Rock to go and preach to a bunch of inmates that may not even deserve it. But they do it unto Him. We don't do things because we want to do it for ourselves. If I wanted to do it for, our, for myself, I'd sit at home and do nothing sometimes. Right? And I know sometimes we get to do what we want to do, and, and, and we're supposed to be able to do that. God gives us that freedom, and God allows us to do that. But, it's, but we have to start thinking about others outside of these four walls and think, man, what can we do to reach people? What can we do to reach Lives. What are we going to do to reach lives? Are we, going to go to the, are we going to go to the four corners of the world and preach the gospel? Not all of us are going to be able to go to Africa or uh, China or uh, Israel or you know Australia or wherever it is. But we can go in our own backyard and people that are all around our neighborhood. And we can go to the, the family that we see maybe once or twice a year. Or the family that we get to see all the time. If they don't know Jesus. We can take those opportunities because Christ has given us those opportunities. And we have to take advantage of them. I'm not saying you've got to be preach them and take your Bible and shove it down their throat. and force. You're not going to win nobody that way. But if you show them the love and the kindness that Jesus had, and they, if they ever ask you, why do you do this? That gives you an opportunity to say, well, because Jesus died on the cross for me. And he showed me grace. And so I'm letting you know that I'm doing it because of the difference that Jesus made in my life. And take those opportunities, take those moments to share the gospel. Let's pray.